Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues on in the Bible series on the Book of Romans, with part one of this message entitled, Am I a True Christian? If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 9, verse 6. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let us pray, Heavenly Father. Help us as we hear the word of God to make certain we are true Christians, authentic believers in Jesus Christ, true worshipers whom the Father seek, those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Help us, O Lord, to examine ourselves and see whether we are in the faith. Help us to make our calling and election sure. O Heavenly Father, through your Holy Spirit, make us vulnerable to the preached word. May your mighty word enter into us and give us life and light, and hope, and peace, and health. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Father is seeking true worshipers who worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That tells us there were false worshipers pretending to be people of God. We want to know who are true Christians. Authentic children of the living God. St. Paul expressed his great grief and unending pain. Because his fellow Jews, in spite of their great privileges... Great spiritual privileges. Being the covenant people of God. They rejected their Messiah. Jesus Christ. So we read he came to his own and his own received him not. A savior and God. So the question is. Did God's covenant word to Abraham and his descendants fail? Did God's purpose fail to come to pass? This question we find in the first part of Romans 9 and verse 6. And this question is... Answered in three chapters. Chapter 9, 10 and 11 of Romans. Friends, God is not surprised. Because the vast majority of Israel. The people of the covenant has rejected their Messiah. Professor John Murray asked this question. How can the covenant promise of God be regarded as inviolate 
And the mass of those who belong to Israel have remained in unbelief. And so come short of the covenant promises. Romans 9 is the most difficult portion of scripture in the entire Bible. Especially for those who are arrogant toward God. It is not the most difficult portion of scripture to me. And to those who fear the Lord. God is sovereign. And just in all he does. Ask the Lord of history. Dr. Boyce speaks about the story of a Bavarian wood carver. He carved some grains of wheat out of wood that had the color of wheat. And he mixed them with genuine wheat. He did such an excellent job that neither he nor his friends could separate the wood grains of wheat from the real ones. Finally, they put them all in water. And in due time, the real ones sprouted. The wood grains of wheat did not sprout. Friends, the visible church of Jesus Christ consists of both true believers and false ones. They appear to be all authentic. Yet some have the life of God, but others have no spiritual life. Some are wise virgins, but others are foolish. Are you a true believer? Are you a true worshiper? Are you born of the Spirit? Because that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. We must examine ourselves to see Whether we are in the faith. We must make our calling and election sure. While we have opportunity. And you have opportunity you are here. You don't have a massive heart attack. Your mind is alert. And you can think. And you can understand. The vast majority of Israel rejected the Messiah. The vast majority of the Gentiles also rejected the Messiah. Many travel along the broad way of autonomy, narcissism, and eternal destruction. Only few travel On the narrow way of holiness. Leading to eternal life. 
But that vast majority reject Jesus Christ does not surprise Jesus Christ. Why is he not surprised? Because in the eternal plan of God, only few believe in Jesus Christ. And the majority reject him. So we look at the answer to the question. Why few believe in Jesus Christ and the majority reject him? The answer is found in the doctrine of the election of God. We have studied in Romans 5, 12 through 21, that in Adam all have become sinners. They are under the wrath of God. All die because of the wages of sin, which is death. So he says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, And death through sin, and in this way a death came to all men because all sinned. That is the perspective you have to keep in mind when we speak about election. It is called infralapsarian perspective. God sees two humanities. One headed by the first Adam and the other represented by the last Adam, Jesus Christ, who by his incarnational life and death made atonement for all whom he represents. I say all whom God chose from all eternity. Of all the sinful descendants of the first Adam, God elects some to eternal salvation. That is, God sovereignly chooses some that he may show mercy to them. But he chooses not to show mercy to the vast majority of sinful descendants of Adam who are under the just wrath of God. He deals with some in mercy, and he deals with the vast majority in justice. It is this divine election that St. Paul points to us as the key to understand Why only a few of the Israelites believed in Jesus Christ and why the vast majority of the people of God rejected their Messiah. Professor J.I. Packer speaks of this election this way. He speaks about election in these points. First, Election is a gracious choice. Not based on your merit. It's gracious. The election of 
grace. Romans 11 verse 5, so too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. 2 Timothy 1.9 Who has saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we have done but because of his purpose and grace. Election is an act of undeserved favor. Freely shown towards members of a fallen race. To which God owed nothing but wrath. So we read. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who suppress the truth by their wickedness. He chooses to save sinners. Who are enemies of God and he does so to magnify his grace number two election is a sovereign choice prompted by God's own good pleasure alone Ephesians 1.5 he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ In accordance with his pleasure and will. Ephesians 1.9 And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Which he purposed in Christ. Prompted friends by God's own good pleasure alone. And not by any works of man. Accomplished or foreseen. Or any human efforts to win God's favor. God in sovereign freedom treats some sinners as they deserve hardening and destroying them. But he selects others to be vessels of mercy receiving the riches of his glory. This discrimination involves no injustice. For the creator owes mercy to none. And has a right to do as he pleases with his rebellious creatures. Listen to J.I. Packer. The wonder is not... That he withholds mercy from some. But that he should be gracious to any. God's purpose of sovereign discrimination. Between sinner and sinner. Appeared as early as his limitation of the Abrahamic promise. To Isaac's line. And his setting of Jacob over Esau. It was true, in other words, from the first. So we read in verse 6 of Romans 9. They are not Israel 
which are of Israel. Number three, according to J.I. Packer, election is an eternal choice. God chooses us before the foundation of the world. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. This choice was a part of God's eternal purpose. He elects in love from eternity and predestinates and in time calls and justifies that they may be glorified at the end of time. Because election is eternal, it is immutable. And nothing that happens in time can shake God's resolve to save us. Number four, election is a choice of individual sinners to be saved. In and through Jesus Christ. The goal of election is that God's chosen. Should bear Christ's image. And share his glory. They are chosen for holiness. In this life. And for glorification in the life to come. So we read, he called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.21, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This election means then That our salvation from first to last is all of God. The fruit of sovereign discriminating mercy. Through election every spiritual blessing flows to us. Who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The ultimate end of election is that God should be praised to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Election, friends, assures us of our eternal security and removes All grounds of fear and despondency. J.I. Packer says if we are in grace now, we are in grace forever. Election, friends, spurs the believer to holy life. It is the supreme incentive to humble, joyful, thankful love. It is the mainspring of sanctifying gratitude. 
So Paul says in Colossians 3, 12 through 14, Therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and, and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive us, the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Friends, whether anyone likes it or not, divine election is a reality in the scripture. God chose Abraham, an idolater from Mesopotamia. Not others, not even his father. God chose Isaac, not Ishmael. God chose Jacob, not Esau. God chose the nation Israel, not other nations. God chose David, not his older brothers. God chose Solomon, not his older brothers. God chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus, not other young Israelite girls. Jesus chose 12 apostles, not 1,200. Jesus did not choose 12 women as apostles. God chose to preach the gospel to some countries first. And thank God, God chose us to be saved. It is my prayer that God will save a lot more. Election is the answer. So number two, let's ask the question which is posed in verse six. Has God's word failed? Not at all. God's declared purpose did not fail. God's covenant design did not come to naught. God never fails. Jesus never fails. His word never fails. God alone declares the end from the beginning. God never waits for election returns. How can his plan fail? Joshua declared God's every promise was fulfilled. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 24, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. God's word did not come to every Israelite without exception. God's word came only to the elect few in the nation Israel. It came only to the remnant few. The remnant was saved. So we read in Romans 9.27. Isaiah cried out concerning Israel. Though the number of the Israelites be like the sand by the sea. Only a remnant will be saved. The remnant trusted in the Messiah. And were saved. As we read in Romans 9 and verse 33 as it is written 
See I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. The remnant chosen by grace believed in the word of God. Romans 11 verse 5. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. To the elect the word of God was effectual. Romans 11 verse 7. What then? What Israel sought so earnestly it did not obtain. But the elect did. The others were hardened. The non-elect were hardened that they do not believe God's word and be saved. Friends, there is election and reprobation. Has the word of God failed because vast majority of the nation Israel became apostate? Not at all. Luke 16 verse 17 it is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. The will of God will not be frustrated. God's purpose shall be done in human and world history. Ecclesia of God. That is God's church consists. Not of everyone in the nation Israel. Or everyone in the visible church. Or everyone in the world. It is the company of those chosen from eternity. Called out in time. And made alive by the gospel. God's word powerfully and irresistibly. Brings about what God purposes. So we read as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. But will accomplish what I desire. And achieve the purpose for which I send. If you don't want to believe in Jesus Christ. It may be. That you are. A reprobate. Serious issue. Therefore. Listen. To what the spirit is speaking. Soften your heart. Believe in Christ. And be saved. But don't ever think that his word fails. To do what God purposes. Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2.14 through 17. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. And through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. And those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death. To the other the fragrance of life. It is the purpose of God That his word may make alive some and confirm others in their death 
and reprobation. Saul of Tarsus, the murderous exterminator of the Christian faith, was transformed by the gospel to become the battle-scarred veteran of the cross based on divine election. So he says in Galatians 1, but when God who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Or listen to him in 1 Timothy chapter 1. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength and he considered me faithful appointing me to his service even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The word of God applied only to spiritual Israel. It did not apply to every progeny of Abraham. And it was revealed in the Old Testament. Not every Jew will be saved. Though your people, O Israel, be like the sand of the sea, only a remnant will return. Jesus said that a true disciple abides in his word. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him to the Jews who had believed him. Jesus said, if you abide in my teaching, You are really my disciples. He called Nathaniel a true Israelite. He was a true worshiper who worshiped God in spirit and in truth together with the righteous Zechariah, Elizabeth, Simeon, Anna, Joseph, and Mary, and many others. But few. The elect are not flesh. They are born of the Spirit. They are circumcised in the heart by the Holy Ghost. They are born again. They are born of the Spirit. They believe the word of God as Abraham believed. And they walk in the steps of the faith of Abraham. Let's listen to Westminster Confession of Faith that speaks both about election and reprobation. Chapter 3 and Article 5. Those of mankind that are predestinated unto life, God before the foundation of the world was laid according to his eternal and immutable purpose. And the secret counsel and good pleasure of his will hath chosen in Christ unto everlasting glory out of his mere free Grace and love without any foresight of faith or good works or perseverance in either of them or any other thing in the creature as conditions or causes moving him thereunto and all to the praise of his glorious grace. And now about reprobation. Article 7. 
the rest of mankind. God was pleased according to the unsearchable counsel of his own will, whereby he extendeth or withholdeth mercy. As he pleaseth, for the glory of his sovereign power over his creatures to pass by. And to ordain them to dishonor and wrath for their sin to the praise of his glorious grace. He is not begging you to believe in him. He is not going to kiss your feet. He commands all people everywhere to repent. Never begs friends. The truth is God's word never fails. God's word has done, is doing, and will do what it is meant to do. It gives life to the elect and confirms the vast majority in their death. No son of Adam is entitled to salvation because of some birthright or some physical descent. If that were the case, God would not be free. So why did not God's word fail? Because of divine election as discussed before. God's saving purpose includes only a small minority. A remnant. Think about it, friends. And I hope you will rejoice in your election. Listen to Martin Lloyd-Jones. He says, Promise and purpose of God have respect to certain people only. It is not of universal application. That is not applicable to every Jew or every Gentile or every professing Christian. Listen to him again. The few who are being saved are being saved not because of their birth, nationality, parentage, or their merits. God calls them into being by grace alone. Listen to him again. This God's choice of grace, therefore, is absolutely free and sovereign. Totally independent of us. It is according to the good pleasure of his will and purpose. So friends, the truth is, all natural physical Israel is not true spiritual Israel. All ethnic Israel is not the Israel of God. This is the two-circled position. The outer circle of the vast majority of ethnic Israel and a small inner circle of true spiritual Israel that are born of the Spirit. But Judaism thought that every descendant of Abraham except those who rejected their inheritance by outright apostasy enjoyed eternal salvation. Paul rejects this view. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few find it. 
Matthew 24, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And Romans 2, 28 and 29 says this, listen to it. A man is not a Jew if he is only outwardly. Nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by written code. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. So Paul says in Philippians 3, watch out for those dogs. Those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision. We who worship by the spirit of God. Who glory in Christ Jesus. Who put no confidence in the flesh. Why are most Jewish people outside of salvation, outside of the Messiah? Election of God. Now he gives two illustrations. Illustration one is Isaac. All physical descendants of Abraham are not children of Abraham. God did not choose Ishmael. He chose Isaac. Listen to this. Genesis 17. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. God said no. He said, In Isaac shall thy seed be called. Abraham desired that Ishmael be his heir. God said, no. Isaac is going to be your heir. And the will of God shall prevail. The Jews boasted and said, Abraham is our father. They boasted and said, God is our father. Jesus said, no. God is not your father. Your father is the devil. It doesn't matter what you profess and declare about yourselves. What matters is what God says on the last day. He may say, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Or he may say, away from me. You workers of iniquity, how dare you to push yourself into his holy heaven? Abraham, not Ishmael, Isaac. Isaac is the son of promise. Isaac is born of a miracle. He is born by divine intervention. Friends, there is a difference between physical Israel and spiritual Israel. Those circumcised only externally in the flesh and those who are circumcised internally in the heart by the spirit. As a result, your very nature is changed. 
There is a difference between those who are children of the flesh and those who are children of God. Only the children of the promise are children of God, heirs of salvation. Children, John says in John 1, born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. Isaac is not an ordinary child. He was given being because of a prior promise. In Isaac, not in Ishmael, thy seed be called. Sarah was always barren. She could not have children. Now she is past childbearing age. She is 90. Her body is as good as dead. Abraham is about 100. He is also as good as dead. Both are incapable of having a son. But God with whom all things are possible in due time visited them and supernaturally enabled Abraham to father Isaac and enable barren Sarah to conceive and bear a son according to the divine word. God rejects Ishmael. God's purpose was fulfilled in the miracle child Isaac. But one may argue, we can understand why Isaac was chosen. Ishmael was illegitimate. His mother was an Egyptian, a slave woman, just a concubine. She was not a legal wife. Therefore, Ishmael has no standing. All right. Now he gives the second illustration. So now he speaks about Rebekah's two sons. Both are legitimate. One father, Isaac, one mother, Rebekah. One sex act which produced one pregnancy of twins. Both are equal in status and rights. Yet before they were born and before they grew up doing anything good or bad, it was spoken to Rebecca, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Both were sons of Adam, both were sinners, both under God's wrath, yet God showed mercy to Jacob and chose him to salvation. He did not show mercy to Esau. God defies custom of choosing the firstborn. He reverses custom and right of the firstborn. He chooses the younger. He causes the older to be his servant. This is unconditional election he does what he pleases unlike Ishmael no question of legitimacy here both are children of one father and one mother yet God from all eternity chose Jacob to eternal salvation and Esau to eternal damnation Jacob the sinner was shown mercy he was chosen to be object of God's mercy whom he prepared in advance for glory Esau the sinner was passed by he remains the object of God's wrath just wrath prepared for destruction here there is election and there is reprobation demonstrated in the life of Jacob and in the life of Esau 
God has done this for the purpose, the text says. What's the purpose? In order that the purpose of God according to divine election might remain, might stand, might be established. And that the word of God not fail. The divine purpose springing from eternal election might be fulfilled. God's plan, design be accomplished. God's eternal purpose not based ultimately on human merits may remain. God's purpose according to election stands based on the God who calls into existence his plan. He creates out of nothing by his powerful word. His word raises the dead. His word enables the dead Abraham and Sarah to bring forth their son Isaac. His creative word causes those dead in trespasses and sins to be raised up children of God and heirs of glory. So not of human works but of him who effectually calls. Jesus himself spoke of election. In John 13, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. John 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. John 17, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. Friends, Jacob's preeminence is due to father's distinguishing eternal love for him. And Esau's servitude is due to God's hatred for him. God passes by many reprobates but shows mercy to some like Jacob. Some argue that God never hates anybody. Now, that would be a surprise. He only loves less some, and he loves more others. Well, I agree that hate, the word hate, has a range of meaning, from loveless to real hatred. As we read in Malachi 1, 1 through 5. And listen to this, if it is loveless. An oracle, the word of the Lord to Israel, through Malachi, I have loved you. But you ask, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? The Lord says, yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated, and I have turned his mountain into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Edom may say, though we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish. That sounds like real hatred. Oh, look at Psalm 5, verse 5 and 6. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men, the Lord abhors. Psalm 7, verse 11. God judgeth the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. Oh, yes, sir. And John says in John 3 verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son will not see life because God's wrath rests on him. 
If God only hates sin and not sinners, he should send sin to hell. Not sinners. But I read, no, God sends sinners to hell. Make your calling and election sure. Jacob was saved by grace. Esau was condemned for his unbelief and wickedness. So there is election and what, sir? Reprobation. Are you a reprobate? Or are you an elect? Election. What is election? God's eternal purpose to cause certain specific individuals to be in Christ. The recipients of special grace in order that they live to God's glory and may obtain eternal salvation. What is reprobation? Listen. God's eternal purpose to pass by certain specific individuals in the bestowment of special grace. Notice they receive plenty of common grace. They make more money. They have more power. They have all glory in the world. Ordaining them to everlasting punishment for their sins. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to be sober-minded. To think carefully according to your word. And by the assistance of your spirit, help us to arrive at proper conclusion. And if our heart is hardened toward God, Lord, Help us to pray. Have mercy upon us. Give us a heart of flesh. That we may trust in your son Jesus Christ. Our savior. That we may be saved forever. Thank God that you are still in the business of saving sinners. This we pray in Jesus name. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio. A part one of this message entitled, Am I a True Christian? Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.